right, everybody. Here we are again. Uh, closing time podcast with Tony Coast and my buddy Joe helping me out from Guiltless Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about my story of sobriety, all the tales and stories and wacky, sad, scary things that go along with it. Exactly how I describe it anytime anyone asks about it. Like, yeah, yeah they're crazy, funny, scary. Yeah. And ultimately, a good story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope in my telling I can, you know, give people a little bit of peace or a little bit of, like, inspiration or, you know, make somebody that's feeling lonely or scared and in a dark place with their drinking or addiction to, um, you know, realize that, you know, you can do this and you can get through it. You just have to apply yourself and really want to do it. I'm hoping that I can reach you and, you know, be there for you through telling my story. One of the things that uh, uh, I that I vividly remember from when you came on the Gillis and told your story was your last, if you want to call it your last day of yeah. drinking. Um, it, it was fascinating, but we didn't get into a lot of detail. I remember yeah. points of it for sure, but my hope was that you can kind of walk me through what that last day was like. Like, what is, yeah. like, what were you doing? And then, sure, what man, I can... led you to. Yeah, I mean, I can. Uh, I remember that day, and probably will for the rest of my life. Even though, <laughs> even though leading up to that day, I was in a constant state of pretty much being blacked out. I still somehow remember that day like it was yesterday, um, and I'm thankful for that because I think, you know, being aware of the strength of that day, both good and bad, is really important to my continued success in like living a sober life. Um, but yeah, it was uh, September fourth. Uh, it was a Sunday. Um, you know, leading up to this day, like every single day was a very sad and downtrodden, embarrassing, disappointing existence. Um, like many, 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 many mornings before that, this particular day, I got up, uh, my ex, uh, my now ex, uh, Melissa <clears throat> had already left for work. Uh, she worked in Tremont at the time. Um, and I would... I had to work brunch uh, at the re uh, bar restaurant I was running, a uh, Rocky River Wine Bar. Um, I was the GM there, uh, working for you know two guys that I I admired and respected quite a bit, and still do to this day. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I got up, and Oscar, you know, my dog was was just you know, a little shit. I had just gotten him that year, like a couple months prior to this, um, more than a couple, but you know, I think I got him in May, so he was just a little dude, uh, and I I would get up. And uh, kind of, you know, shake the cobwebs off because I was, you know, hungover as shit. And at that point, normally starting to go through some element of withdrawal uh, from, you know, sleeping and not feeding alcohol into my system constantly. There was always some sort of alcoholic beverage next to my bed on the nightstand, warm and disgusting. Sometimes I'd pick it up and drink it. Sometimes I would forget it was there or choose not to. But nine times out of ten... There was something sitting right there, but yeah, I would get up and kind of go, oh shit, man, like I gotta get ready for work, like fuck. And I, I remember this so well, it's like actually making me, my mouth like water right now. I, I knew that the second I would get to the bathroom, I would start to dry heave. It was just, it was, it was whether, whether I tried to prepare myself for it and like go, all right, you're not going to do this. It just happened. The second that I got into the bathroom and I went to turn the shower on, I would start to violently dry eve um, because I just didn't have any booze in my system. And I think a lot of it was also nerves, you know, being aware of who I had become and being like sick to my stomach about it. But also physically just being ill from not having 
booze in my system. And Oscar would come over. Um, you know, I was telling the story earlier to, to Penny uh, before, because I, I was telling her I was coming here to record this with you, and and I I started tearing up because uh, Oscar would come up next to me and <laughs> I'm gonna start doing it now. He would come up next to me and he would lick my legs while I was standing there like retching, and I would just look at myself and go like, "Fuck, man! Like, come on! Like, this is who you are! Like, this is this is your life!" And I'd had that conversation so many times and had that exact thing happen so many times prior to this, the final day. Um, but yeah, so that morning did the same thing, got up, dry heaved over the kitchen or over the fucking bathroom sink for a minute, minute and a half, got, got in the shower, did it some more while Oscar kind of wondered why his human was visibly sick and looked disgusting. Um, you know, and then I would, you know, try to do something with my hair, put on some clothes that hopefully didn't smell like cigarettes and old booze and try to look presentable to go run a restaurant um, and call an Uber because at the time I didn't have I didn't have a car. Um, Melissa and I shared a car. I had a, I, I might not even had a license at that point because I got a DUI a couple years prior and then just never got my license back. Um, you know, I had an ID, but I didn't have a, I don't think I actually had the driver's license. So Called my Uber, you know, made sure Oscar was fed, turned the TV on for him, and, you know, jumped in the car. I think that day, you know, we opened for brunch, I think, at 10 a.m. So my my routine was I would get to Wine Bar really early, like really early. Um, and sometimes it would be I'd leave even before Melissa. But this particular day, I think I got there at like 8. And I still have – I think I mentioned this on the Guiltless podcast. I still have – the Uber receipts from that day, from that last day, from when I got to work and when I left work. And I think I got to work at 8.15, and I would get in before the staff got there because they would normally get in an hour before we opened, so they'd get there at 9. The chef would be there and, like, some of the kitchen people, but I'd get in, and I'd go in the office, and I'd pour myself, like, a big shot of something. Normally, it was, like, Fernet or Chartreuse or vodka. Honestly, it was mostly, most of the times it was chartreuse because it was so strong and it was so sweet and like viscous and syrupy that I could drink it and it wouldn't like make me sick. Sure. Uh, I would just go down and it was, you know, 110 proof. So it'd Kinda be level like, off. all right, yeah, yeah, I'm back at it, baby. Um, so yeah, that day, uh, you know, I, I remember, I remember being in that, per- that particular day, I remember being in the car, um, in the Uber and I, I can't remember what we talked about, but I remember sitting there and I always had a tin of Altoids with me because I was always so self-conscious that people were going to smell the booze on my breath. So I would like feed my, like every five, five seconds I was putting an Altoid in my mouth. And it, I, it, I'm sure it didn't do anything other than go, why is Tony always eating Altoids? It's weird. But I remember sitting in the, in the back of that Uber going, God, like, I feel so sick. Like, I hope I don't throw up in this Uber. Like, don't start dry heaving. And then I would go, and I'm, or I would, I remember going like, don't, don't think about it. Cause then you're going to start doing it. Finally, we got to work and I'm sweating and I'm uh, sick and I feel gross. So yeah, I, I remember getting in there, did my shot, staff gets there and, uh, some things had, and I talked about this in the guiltless, in the guiltless podcast, but a couple things had happened in the weeks prior to this where I was on kind of like shaky ground there. Like I had fucking laid down and fell asleep in the fucking bathroom 
of the of wine bar and like one of the bus boys found me sleeping in there and I told him that I must have passed out. Maybe I didn't talk about that. I remember it was the, so, there was an attic or something there too. That's where I well that, I'm getting to that. No, okay. this was, I I, I might have left this part out. The one shift and uh, not to backtrack a little bit, but pr- a couple weeks prior to this, the one shift um, Saturday night, I opened. It was, uh, it was Saturday. I opened Wine Bar and you know worked as a manager and then one of the bartenders couldn't work so I bartended that night well during the day I got so drunk that I went into the men's bathroom there and if you've ever been to Wine Bar Rocky River it's a tiny little bathroom yeah. I went in the stall and I like put my like head back and the next thing I knew I woke up I was on the ground cuz I fallen asleep cuz I was so drunk well the busboy Carlos found me he like came in there and knocked, hey, sir, you can't sleep in there. And then he like put his head underneath and saw it was me. Well, he went out and told the staff, he's like, it's Tony in there. So I like, had to go out and work around my employees, my staff, after they just found me passed out drunk. But they didn't know I was drunk. Anyways, so I was I was already on kind of weird footing there. So I was feeling really uncomfortable at wine bar rightfully so i mean they fucking hated me i was sure. a fucking unreliable drunk guy whether i was acknowledging it openly didn't matter they all knew and they were all a bunch of drinkers too but so you know busy brunch that place you know especially in the summertime is always packing them in and the brunch is really popular and uh yeah i mean you know i did was doing my normal thing i was sneaking in the office having a couple nips chugging a couple swigs out of a bottle of wine, hiding it by my desk. Um, and, you know, somewhere between 8 a.m. when I got there, a little after 8 a.m., and, like, 1, I got so drunk. I remember I remember thinking to myself, well, it's kind of slowing down. You know, you got April. April was a woman that had worked for them for a long time and been at Wine Bar for, like, I don't know, like 10 years. Place has been there for a really long time. She had been there. It was like, had keys and like did some managerial stuff, but ultimately always just wanted to bartend. Like she wasn't a manager, but she had that kind of respect and rightfully so. Um, And her and I were cool until I started to like show my true colors to just be in a fucking mess drunk. Um, And then she kind of, you know, called me out for what I was. Um, But I, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, she's here and it's slowing down. You know, why don't you go upstairs, Tony? You lay down for a minute. Well, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you go sleep in a gross, disgusting crawl space attic while the place is open? So I remember going into the office, and the office door was always open. Like when I started working there, it was always open. They always had it propped open because you had to go in there and get like white bo- like bottles of white wine and stuff. But for I, I when I when I started to like really sneak drinks in there and stuff or like just openly drink in there. I always wanted the door closed and I told him, I'm like, oh, it's, it just looks better so you can't see in the office. You know, you don't, no one needs to see in there. I mean, the people just pop in here. Like, what if I'm doing something in here, working on money or something, you know, whatever excuse I could use to have more privacy. Um, but yeah, I remember going in there and I sat down at my desk and I probably took another drink or swig of something and I was like, all right, all right, we're going to go upstairs. And I had done this a number of times prior and it wasn't, it was, I got away with it before. Um, and I went up there and I went in the very far back and I laid down and I fucking passed out. I must have passed out instantly um, because I don't, I, the next thing I remember was a woman who 
I had known in the industry. She was really good friends with a lot of people that I considered very good friends. I had gotten to know her really well, uh, Megan, Megan Fowler, um, who is an amazing woman and someone who really had a lot of faith in me. And like, I think uh, probably closer to the end here, she probably had put her put her neck out there for me a lot, and you know, told John and Dave like, no, Tony's a good guy. Tony's you know he's just going through some stuff, and you know, I used every excuse in the book to kind of like pull the focus of why I wasn't living up to my potential or my expectation, you know, oh, my mom's dementia or my sister or shit at home, anything I could use to like make it not about the fact that I was just a fucking drunk. I remember waking up to her going, oh my God, I'm so fucking disappointed at you. Like, get up, get up. And, uh, One thing I remember is she said, this is the second time I've been up here. So she had been up there one time before and woken me up and I don't remember it. And I, oh, wow. like she had woken me up and I had laid back down. So maybe. Oh, the second time that day? That day. Oh so my she, God. So I don't know. And I, and I've, I've never really like her and I have spoken in person about this before and over the phone and via text. I don't actually think I've ever asked her like, what did you mean by that? I don't think that we've ever had that conversation. So I don't know if she had like just been up there or if she was just planning on trying to wake me up and then me, her and I were going to talk about it. But I remember her saying, this is the second time I've been up here. Get up. God, I'm so fucking disappointed in you. What are you doing? And I kind of remember just like, kind of like shaking my head and like, what the fuck? What is going on? What time is it? You know, like I had no concept of time, not much time had transpired because it was still daytime we were still, I mean, I think I ended up leaving there at like three. So I remember I got up, she left me up there, went downstairs. I got up and kind of walked back to the the stairs that went into the office from this crawl space attic. And I remember kind of standing at the top of it and going, all right, well, what the fuck now? Like, what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> like yeah. clearly everyone knows your staff knows these people that you're in charge of know what you were just doing. You're a drunk who was sleeping in the attic at his job. You can't stay here. So I, I went and I sat back down or I sat down at my desk Um and she, Megan came back in and she's like, I, I'm calling John and Dave. I'm calling them. I'm telling them what's going on. April's already told them what's going on. You should probably get the fuck out of here. And, and please don't try to do anything stupid. I'll call the police. And I, and I was just like, ah, fuck you. You guys are all a bunch of drunks yourselves. Like, and I, I was still, I wasn't looking at her because I couldn't face you know, I, I didn't want to see what, because I, I can only imagine how disappointed she was. I was disappointed, you know? So I sat there, and my bag was sitting next to me. And I remember, like, kind of thinking, like, all right, well, what can I grab? What do I need from here? Like, is there any of my stuff? Like, what's, what's important that I grab? And then I just, all of a sudden, I just stood up. I grabbed my bag, and I fucking walked out. I, I opened the office door. The whole staff was, like, sitting at the very far end of the bar, and I, didn't, I looked for a second to see that they were there, and I just walked out down the patio straight towards Linda. Um, and then I walked up to Detroit, and there was like a park, uh, not a park bench, like a, a, a bus bench. It was like a RTA stop. I remember sitting down there, sitting on that bench, and looking at my phone, 
and kind of like having no idea what the fuck was really going on, like any concept of time, what what had really just transpired. And I think, I think if I remember correctly, I think I sent my sent Melissa my ex. I think I sent her a text and said something like, "You know what? Fuck wine bar. I'm never going back there again." Like. I wasn't happy there anyway. I'll find another fucking job. I'm, I walked out. And I think she responded and just said, you know, all right, whatever. Yeah, you hated it there. We'll figure it out. You know, we, her and I, you know, our relationship came to an end for a lot of reasons. We definitely enabled each other. So, sure. like, you know. Yeah, I remember you mentioning Yeah, that, I talked that. about it briefly. I try not to really talk about her and I's sure, relationship. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I don't really care to relive that. Um, but I remember sitting there and going, all right, well, what now? Like, you got to figure something out. And oh, I remember my phone was like pretty close to dying. Like, it was like really low charge. And I had actually become really good friends with a lot of people at Whole Foods right across the street. Um, you know, they had a bar, they have a bar in there, so I would go in after my shifts. Oh, yeah. You know, even at, when I worked at Bamba, which is right there, I would you know go in there and have a beer, have a shot. You know, after a shift, during a shift, before a shift. Um, so I remember walking in to Whole Foods, and uh, Josh and Rosie were behind the bar. Rosie actually coincidentally worked with me at Wine Bar. I had gotten her a job there, and I'd known her for years and years and years. Um, so they were there, and I remember, or maybe she wasn't. Anyways, I know Josh was there, so I remember going in, going in, sitting down at the bar, and I said, "Hey, I'll be right back. I, I gotta go to the go to the bathroom." And I probably looked like, you know, the death. Yeah, I mean, I just been sleeping in a fucking attic. I probably was sweaty and gross and, you know, anyways, I remember I went to the bathroom at Whole Foods and plugged my phone in and I had a charger in my bag and I plugged in my phone and got a little bit of a charge and called an Uber or, you know, got on the app and ordered an Uber, whatever you call it. And, uh, it's like, okay, you know, it would be 10 minutes or however long. And it was enough time for me to go to the bar at Whole Foods and do a shot of chartreuse and I got in an Uber and went home. I, I can't remember. I know that it was, I remember it was a woman. It was a woman that picked me up. And we had a conversation about something, what that was, who fucking knows. But I remember I got home and Oscar was so happy to see me. You know, hey, dad's home. And I'm just like, I think at that point too, I had actually like kind of like, I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm fine. I'm home now. Fuck that place. Like, I'm Mr. Cool. I don't think it really had kind of like set in yet because yeah. I first I was still drunk, so I had that like alcohol courage, and I had you know like we talked about on the guiltless podcast, I had fallen ass backwards into so many jobs. Well, whatever, what's another one? Fuck it, you know. That was the uh, that was the uh, uh, the the one of the more impressive things, <laughs> uh, honestly. I yeah, mean, maybe impressive is not the right word, but that's exactly where I went when you were telling me was that. I mean, I, I t mentioned earlier, like, uh, when you and I were just bullshitting about yeah. other stuff, how many different restaurants you've been affiliated yeah, with. Like, no, ones I'm, that we've all been to. Right. And, and that I'm was fortunate the, for that. That was the, 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 the amazing thing. Right. Was that because of how well you were at the job, despite yeah. the problems you were having, you kept kind of doing that. Yeah. And, so, and, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to No, 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 to no you're fine. Cut, I, I, uh, you, you said something there, and it kind of triggered something else in terms of this, because we're... With where we're kind of going about you know, your last day, but right there you said you know you you got home and you're like fuck this fuck yeah. that I'll find something yeah. no big deal I mean 
when you think about like how many times you probably came home and had the same conversation yeah. with yourself, like, hey man, I made it home. Big yeah, fucking deal, here I right? am, dude. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. Yeah, everything's I'll get another fine, job. I always dude. get another job. And actually, oddly enough, because I of how my pay structure was at Wine Bar, I actually had a little bit of money in the bank, like because I they would give me bonuses based on sales. So like I had a little bit of money in the bank. I was like, ah, fuck it, man. Cool. Yeah. I didn't believe that. I said it. And I think it was probably a defense, you know, mechanism for me. I was like, oh, dude, I'll be fucking fine. You just came off a bad day. Yeah, you do dude, a... whatever. Fuck that place. Yeah. Like, I'm doing that. I'm doing them a favor by getting the fuck out of there. Like, they, they'll they be better off without me, and I'm going to be better off without them. Like, fuck that. So I remember I got home. Oscar, like I said, Oscar was super jazzed, and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm cool. Hey, I think I sent Melissa a text. Hey, I'm, I'm home. And I, I laid down on the couch, and I, I fell asleep. Um, I woke up. A couple hours later, she had gotten home from work, and uh, you know, Oscar was, I think, probably laying there right with me. And what did we do? We just kept drinking. <laughs> we kept drinking. I think, yeah, this is something. This is something that uh, I'm going to share on this that I have only shared with maybe five people. Uh, not anyone really knows this. In all my honesty and truth and telling about my sobriety story and how I've gotten to where I'm at now, not a lot of people know this. Melissa that day at work had gotten a tip from somebody. They tipped her a 10 strip of acid and she brought it home. She was like, hey, do you want to eat some hits? You know, you're drunk. We might as well get, you know, let's take a trip. So we ate a bunch of fucking LSD. I ate a bunch of fucking acid on top of already being blacked out drunk. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Isn't that fucking wild? And until about a year and a half ago, I had three of those hits left in my in my lockbox at home. Not because I was ever going to take them, but I was like, I'm going to keep these as a memento. And yeah. then I like, something happened, like the lockbox fell. It didn't fall. It wasn't open, but it fell. I was there. Like, I knocked it off my desk. I was moving it. And I was like, what if this fell and, like, Oscar ate these or something? So I threw them yeah. away. I flushed them down the sure. toilet or whatever I did. Threw them in the trash. I understand the the, the memento at, like, that was yeah. something, like, um, amazing. Right. Like, it's just another part of an amazing yeah. story that you're always going to remember. Yeah. I was yes, like, I want to keep these. I also do think, yeah, that would... <laughs> What if Oscar had those? Yeah, I, right. I get it, yeah. Right. So I You have plenty of other mementos. <laughs> exactly. I mean the fact that I'm standing here. You are a walking right. memento, yeah. So yeah, we ate a bunch of acid and then went to Marriott's and drank shots and beers. And I didn't get a phone call, no text from nobody. Nobody. Nobody at work. I think one there was a, a young woman who worked for me, worked with me at El Carnicero that Ended up getting a job with me at Bamba, a young woman named Brittany, um, who I ended up getting a job at Wine Bar. I think she sent me a text, and she's like, Tone, are you okay? Like, you know, I I heard blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but outside of that, I, I it was like, whatever, fuck it. You know, I'm tripping acid. I'm tripping balls now. I'm keep drinking. And then we went home after drinking at Mary Arts, and... You know, I still wasn't acknowledging anything that had just happened. It was more consumption and let's keep getting fucked up and, like, let's just keep running because that's healthy. That's That's got me in great place. Look at me, sleeping in attics, eating acid on a fucking Sunday night after I just lost another job from drinking. So went home, and I remember I, remember I was kind of, like, having – I was having a pretty good trip. I was feeling pretty good. I was really drunk still, and – Melissa was not. She was kind of having a rough go. 
and she kept following me around. And I remember going to trying to go into different rooms and being like, can you just like leave me alone? Like I need to kind of just focus on this. And she all, she ended up falling asleep and then I ended up falling asleep. And that was, that was the end of that day. That was the end of like that final day of my drinking and the last day I'd ever taken a drink. Um, and that's when, and that, so then, then I woke up and that's when like truth set in. That's when actual actualization of where I had, how far I had fallen and who I had become really set in. Yeah. Not, not that I shouldn't have already figured that out from dry heaving over the fucking sink every morning or the years and years of letting people down. Like this, this particular day was different. And I don't know if it was because all of that had led up to that. The fact that I ate some hits of acid, the fact that I had Oscar now, I don't know what it was, but that morning was different. I woke up just in my boxers. I felt horrific but then i also felt like all right well you have to make a change now like this is you have to do something it can't be more of this and i don't know why like i don't know why this particular time was any different than all the other times that i had lost a job fucked people over let my parents down let myself down this time was just different and that's strange. It's just you kind of just because that that's my first question is what Dude. is it about this one? Because granted, you just described, I mean, yeah, a Jim Morrison type day, yeah. But from what you've told me in the past, those were relatively normal. In yeah, your life I mean, I time. lived a pretty like you know, party lifestyle can be pretty cool. And that I it's guess just, it's what I just what is it about that that yeah, man, one that I, honestly, one morning that you've had. Time and time that you've had thousands of times. Right. What is it about that morning that you know, that man? Was I, 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 to this, to this day, and I probably will never know why exactly, but I just knew that it was time to at least acknowledge it truthfully, yeah. not half-ass promises to myself in the mirror or thinking about, hey, I need to get my shit together while I'm on the way to the bar or in the middle of another bender. Like this was like the first time that I had said, "All right, dude." Like, come on. Like, we got to fucking... This this can't be it. This, this can't be to, the norm. Right. Yeah. Like, you got to fucking get your shit together. And I remember... I remember kind of, like, pacing around the house. And, you know, I wouldn't say that my house at the time was the cleanest, but it certainly... It, it wasn't the... It wasn't... <laughs> it, it wasn't the cleanest, and it was certainly in always a constant state of some sort of disarray because of the alcoholism. Like I remember pacing around and just being like, God, like what is all of this? Like who and what is going on? And Oscar was following me around. Um, and my ex woke up and I remember saying to her, I go, Melissa, you and I have to talk. And she's like, Oh yeah, what's going on? Are you okay? And I was like, no, no, I'm not okay. I go, I'm far from okay, and I need to tell you a bunch of stuff. And I told her about the fact that I'd been hiding how much I was drinking, that I was sneaking drinks in secret on top of how much her and I already drank. Uh, I told her the truth about, because I'd lied to her about when I fucking fell asleep in the bathroom at work. I said that I was so tired and that my mom, her condition getting worse, was making me mentally unfit, and I passed out And from that. Uh 
And she got mad at first, then she got really supportive, then she got really sad and got mad again. And then I remember sitting on the computer with her and we were looking up like rehab, like Betty Ford, you know, or like a inpatient. And sure, that stuff's great if you have 50 grand to afford it. Yeah. Going away to one of those clinics, unless you're on some sort of television show like Intervention, isn't really feasible for most people because they don't just take you in because they're good people. I'm sure there are plenty of people that work at those facilities that are fucking amazing human beings who save tons of people's lives. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But you can't just go there. Like, you have to have some sort of money. Yeah. It's very expensive. And for your average person, especially me, I couldn't do it. I didn't have health care. I didn't have any money. There was no way in hell I was going to go to any of those clinics. So I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? I can't, I can't live like this. I can't do this. This is not... I can't live like this. So it was off to fucking Lakewood Hospital. Um, and I that car ride felt like we were driving to California. It was the longest, shortest car ride of my life. And probably the best car ride of my life because I'm here now. Um, we drove, we jumped in Melissa's car and we drove to Lake, Lakewood Hospital. It's, you know, which is torn down now. Sure. But the old Lakewood Hospital in Detroit there. And I walked in the ER and there was a young nurse behind the counter. Uh, and I remember saying to her, she, she handed me a clipboard underneath the thing and said, just fill this out. Are you okay? And I said, well, I don't know if you guys can help me. I, I go, I, I, I'm dying. And she was like, oh, wait, are you? And I go, no, no, no. I, I'm killing myself from drinking. Like I have a severe, severe, severe alcohol problem. And I, and I, I know that you can go through like pretty serious withdrawal and you can die. Sure. And I know that I'm not going to be able to do that at home. I go, I don't know if I'm in the right place, but I don't really know what else to do. And she said, no, I think we can help you. And I remember I just started crying, Joe, like, like I'm probably going to do right now. But I remember the second, like I sat down, I just couldn't stop crying. I literally was a grown man in the, probably the most vulnerable state I'd ever been in in my life in this fucking waiting room of Lakewood Hospital sobbing as I was trying to fill this out this paperwork out and the young woman said you know just take your time we're gonna have some people come out and we're gonna get you into a room don't worry we're gonna take care of you yeah god I wish I could fucking find out who that was sure you know oh, I'd yeah. give them a fucking million dollars if I had it I mean that woman in a lot of ways saved my life you know and, and the thing is, is she could have turned me away I didn't know, but apparently, I guess uh, for anybody that's listening to this and may uh, you know, fact check me on this, but I, I think I've come to understand that Lutheran Hospital, which is what Lakewood Hospital is a part of Lutheran, which is a Metro Health thing, I think they at the, well, look, let me backtrack. At that time, Lakewood Hospital and Lutheran Hospital specialized in alcohol and cocaine abuse. Oh, I didn't know that. So, like, if you were a heroin addict. You could go into the ER if you were going, you were having an overdose. But for someone like what I did, if you were, if you did that for, they would, they would have take, told you to go away. But because they specialized in alcohol, they took me right in. So, the the after I don't know five minutes, ten minutes, I don't. For all I know, it could have been a half hour. Someone came out and they took me into a room, got me into a gown, started, you know, got me an IV. And I remember, dude, this part. Like, I remember 
a doctor came in, uh, older woman came in and she, maybe it was a nurse, but someone came in and they, they were on standing on my right. And I remember like, I couldn't even tell you at that point, dude, I couldn't even tell you what time it was. And I sure as hell couldn't tell you what day it was. Cause the woman asked me, she said, do you know what day it is? And I think I said it was Thursday and it was a Monday. And, uh, she, I remember she started like asking me not questions in like, an accusatory way or trying to make me feel bad. She just was trying to assess gauging your, where I was. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, you know, you're going to be okay. She goes, I remember she was like, you're, she goes, you're clearly, you know, in a, in a pretty bad state, uh, with your alcoholism. Clearly there's some, there's some sort of like disassociative thing going on where you don't really kind of really understand. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. And I remember just like apologizing over and over again because I just, I, I didn't, I was embarrassed. I, I was fucking like disgusted with myself and how far I'd let myself go. Um, and I remember saying, I think I said, can I, can I call my dad? And they were like, well, right now, you know, you're not really in a point where, you know, you're able to really do that. You know, we don't want to overcomplicate things. You're, we'll make sure you, that, you know, the right people get in touch with. Uh, and I think Melissa, my ex, I think she called my dad, um, you know, and told him what was going on. And uh, I think she called my work and kind of tried to explain to them, you know, what had happened. And, you know, they were upset. You know, I don't, and I don't blame them. You know, those guys gave me an opportunity. You know, they were guys that I fucking admired a lot and still do, like I said, you know, that now had to explain to their fucking employees why they hired a fucking drunk guy. You know, I mean, which is at the, you know, now is whatever. But, you know, I put them in a fucking shitty position. Add it to the list of a ton of people that I put in shitty situations. Um, but I remember after they got me in there and like I had like an IV going and I was getting like, you know, nutrients in me, you know, they came in, they said, all right, we're going to transfer you. We're going to transfer you to Lutheran. Um, and I was like, oh, what do you mean? Like I thought, and they're like, yeah, no, we don't really have like a floor for this, but Lutheran Hospital in Ohio City, you know, has a whole floor of recovery and i was like fuck man and i honestly i'm just remembering this now i think at that point because i was like fuck dude i don't want to go sit on a floor with a bunch of drunks this is me the drunk saying i don't want to go sit on a floor with a bunch of drunks i think i contemplated leaving like no, no, no fuck this i can go home i didn't say it i didn't do it obviously but i think i, I remember thinking that um because I, I ended up you know i went with it yeah, and they got me, you know, got me already, and they like fucking wheeled me out to this ambulance. And I remember that's when I had my phone still, or I had my phone at that point and had access to it. I remember I took a picture, and it's still in my phone, of my feet and like the sun setting from the back of the ambulance. And like I put a big post on Facebook saying, like, hey, you know. For everybody, today is a day where I'm going to finally take the steps to acknowledge what I've been doing to myself and what I've been doing to all of you. And, you know, I'm gonna, my alcoholism has taken me down some dark places, and today is the day I'm going to get it back together or something. I can't remember. I read it actually a couple weeks ago. Uh, it, like, popped up, or maybe I was looking through my old photos or something. And I had so many, like, comments. Like, we're talking, like, 500 likes and, like, 
300 comments of people in the industry and people I'd known through different stages of my life that were like, Tony, you got this. Maybe it wasn't that many. I might be exaggerating, but it was a lot. Tony, you got this, dude. We're so proud of you. Like, hey, man, like, get yourself together. You can do this. We'll be here. Like, and I remember, I remember reading that. It might, it might have been the next morning, or maybe it was when I got to the hospital. I remember reading it and going, wow, like, these people actually give a fuck about me. Now, whether or not they actually did or they were doing it to just be like, hey, you know, this is another thing to comment on social media. Now, I don't sure. think that's what it was, but those are things that went through my head. Um, but I remember, ultimately, it was so, it helped me. It helped me. It helped me so much. You know, social media in a lot of ways fucking sucks. It's Agreed. harmful, toxic, self-indulgent, horrific stuff a lot of times where people are fighting with each other and fa fixating on other people's success and it takes people down terrible places. But at that point in time, social media was one of the bigger thing like supports I had because at the at, before, before seeing that, I... I didn't really feel like I had a whole lot, man. Like I was pretty much down and out. Like I was out. There was no count. I was done, man. Like, um, but I remember looking at that and being like, wow, man, look at all these people I have in my corner. Like, and a lot of those people are still in my corner to this day. So I remember getting there, finally getting to Lutheran, you know, and they wheeled me in and I, here I am, dude, I'm sitting on this fucking gurney. They're pushing me through the fucking hospital. You know, people are looking at me and like, here I am. Like, I didn't have a heart attack. I didn't get hit by a car. I didn't get shot. Nothing was wrong with me outside of what I'd done to myself. And I and I fucking had some serious self-loathing right there. I, I was fucking pissed at myself. I was like, you're fucking here taking up these people's time because of your fucking irresponsibility and your lack of fucking strength to fucking not be a drunk. You let... Your hands bring that alcohol to your mouth every fucking day, and you have your own only have yourself to blame. That these nurses, these doctors are taking care of your drunk ass while there's people in here that are actually dying yeah. because something's wrong with them because they got dealt a fucking shitty hand, and you're a you're just here being drunk. And I was pissed, man. I was really pissed at myself. And so honestly, I I would challenge that because um, you were dying. Well, right, man. But I'm just talking about. Then it, I oh yeah for sure right, I don't you, feel that way now. You were dying and right. There and was I said that. there was something wrong with you oh, because that's you know, people. Some people have beers and then they go home. Other right. people have beers and it grabs right. them and it doesn't let go and it grabs you and it no. Let and go. dude, you're right. Uh, to to kind of not retract but to rephrase it a little bit. That's just how I felt in that moment. Oh sure, okay. it's not true. I was dying and yeah. I was. Very, very sick. Okay. Um, and then some. But at that time, I was pissed that I had done that to myself and that I was taking up those people's time. So that, that's what I meant by that. Um, so they got me, you know, to where I needed to be, and they put me in a room with this, like, old man. I, I never saw his face. But the room smelled like shit. He was, like, incontinent and, like, had to keep going up and getting to the bathroom, and he wasn't supposed to. So, like, a nurse had to keep coming in, this poor woman having to take this old dude to shit. It was gross. Um, and that was that was kind of the, the last 24 hours. Um, 
They got me into the room. Doctor came in, asked me some questions. This part is all kind of a blur because I think I was really starting to like just kind of like succumb to the weight of everything. I was tired. I was tired, man. Like I was ti- more tired than I think I've ever been in my life at that point for a lot of reasons. Oh, um, yeah. And, emotionally uh, tired. I mean, everything, was, yeah, physically, I mean, emotionally, everything, everything, everything about me just wanted to like go to sleep, and I did. They, you know, they asked me some questions. I think I filled out a little bit of paperwork as best as I could, um, and I and I went to sleep. Uh, and I honestly, I don't, I don't remember how long. I mean, I, I, I probably slept twelve hours. I would imagine, um, you know, and that that when I woke up, that was that was the first day of. My sober life. Um, what were you thinking when you woke up? Uh, I think, man, if I remember, I, I, I was confused. I think at first, I think I don't. I, I if, re, kind of trying to recall it. I think I, I, I didn't really remember where I was. You know, like so many benders before, so many blacked out nights where I woke up on somebody's couch or in some bed or yeah. in my own house, not knowing how I'd gotten there. Um, I think I was really confused at first. Um, and I was on all these, like, I had all this shit on me. I had, like, a heart monitor oh, and, yeah, like, the... all kinds of, like, you know, things checking different levels and stuff at IV. Because um, I think they were they were really worried, you know, that I was going to, like, overdose. And they gave me something. They gave, they gave me some sort of opiate or something. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. You and I talked about that before because th- there were there were two things about this part of your you know path you know to sobriety that were surprising is is one the having the foresight knowing that you can't just stop drinking yeah because of how much you normally consume right and then yeah you can I mean because your your body can shut down yeah you can uh, like which is scary hard. and a lot of people maybe wouldn't know that. Well, right, you know, I mean, who knows that? You know, well, I right. think a lot. I think uh, alcoholism is still, it, it is not viewed the same way no. as like a heroin addict. No, and that pisses me off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just as damaging, if not worse, because the access. Yeah. You want to be a fucking drunk, hardcore drunk? You yeah. can do it in plain sight every single day, yeah. all the time, no matter what. They don't have heroin at TGI Fridays. No, no. You can go and <laughs> you know, sit at a bar at TGI anywhere. Fridays. Sure, eventually they'll cut you off. Yeah. But you know what you can do? Come back the next day. Or you can walk <laughs> to the next restaurant that's in the same fucking yeah. mall or the same plaza and you can go to Applebee's or your neighborhood bar and keep drinking. And I did it time and time and time again. So it's crazy to kind of think about that when uh, n- not just you know, understanding that you were in a state where you can, but it's that, yeah, I, I think a lot of people still don't and not to any blame. I think it just becomes, it, it's a, such a norm that they don't know yeah. that it can have the same kind of impact on your body by just stopping. Right. You well, know, I mean, dude, and I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize it because society, you know, it, it glamorizes drinking, sure. you know, think about it. How many people we know collectively or separately that like, not necessarily us, but our friends. Yeah, dude, he's a hard drinker, dude. That guy can put him away. It's like, is that, would you go, oh, yeah, that guy can shoot up a bunch of heroin? No. That no. guy can smoke so many crack rocks, yeah. dude. He's so cool. No. Yeah, no one know. says that because it's not cool. And it's, neither yeah. should being able to fucking drink eight shots and have seven, eight, nine beers in one sitting. That shouldn't be cool either. It's not. It's fucking so harmful and destructive. And it normally isn't just one night. 
it's every night. And then that person goes home and drinks even more. So, you know, I, I hope that, you know, people start to really understand that. Like it, 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 alcohol is a beautiful thing. I said this in the guiltless podcast. I love alcohol, beautifully made beer, awesome wine, a expertly crafted cocktail, even a not expert, even a mediocre cocktail is awesome. And is refreshing and accentuates a, or elevates a, a, a experience or a night out, but that addiction, that 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 accepting of the addiction is so damaging, you know. And I, I, just, I just I hate to see it, man. I wish it was such. I wish it was treated the same as like you know these all all these other addictions, you know. Yeah, there are some things I don't know if they will change if they're going to change anytime soon, and that is not one of them. No, well, uh, I'm going to talk about it until it does. God damn it. <laughs> We definitely should and yeah, can and right. will. One thing that uh, to kind of backtrack a little bit back to your Facebook post. Yeah. Um, this is again, obviously, I didn't know you then. Uh, kind of outside looking in, I think that all those comments and those likes were a mixture of a lot of different types of people, but all in the same. Sure, there's probably someone that's to like just to like. Well, right. I think you had a lot of people that one knew that you were already in a bad way, and we're so happy to see. Yeah. That. No. I think that there were also a lot of people who maybe were kind of relieved to see that post, not just because you were getting help, but because maybe they were like, you know what? I thought he was just fucking off. I didn't know that this had really taken no, a life No, absolutely, man. I, I think I it's think, a lot of... I, I would say that, I mean, first of all, anybody that commented on that, it meant the world to me. Sure. You know, and it, and it really kind of showed me that, wow, people actually gave a shit, you know? Yeah. Even though I had... The lot, I mean, some of the people were people that I had let down, people that I had fucked over, people that, you know, I'd worked with that I had, you know, not done right by. Um, so, you know, man, it, it, it was such a, like I said, it was one of the biggest tools I had in the earlier parts, the very, like the infancy of my sobriety was that post. Um, and I, like I said, I still look back at it sometimes to kind of like, you know, I've looked back at it. Probably in my entire almost five years of being sober, I've probably looked back at it four or five times. But every time I do, it definitely reaffirms like that there were people that were like, wow, man, like good for you. Like, yeah. wow. And you know what? Not only good for you, but I'm going to stand here with you. Like, I'm going to be there for you. And a lot of those people still have been, man. Like, and it does. It, like, I can't, I'll never be able to like thank everybody individually. And like, I, I'm not trying to make this like a, but it does, like, thank you to everybody. Like, if, you, if you're one of those people that has been there for me, like, thank you so much. Because I, I, this journey is my own journey, and at the end of the day, it is my own struggle and my, my path to continue down. But, like, one of the biggest tools that you can give somebody or the biggest things you can do for somebody that was in my position and it is, is in my position that's struggling with, with addiction, having that support and, like, true support is such a big thing. Like, it helps so very much to know that, like, you really have people in your corner because a lot of it, a lot of the continuation of that level of addiction, that level of consumption, is because you feel like you don't have anybody. And I, despite knowing so many people in the city, especially at that time when I was, like, still a really active part of the restaurant industry, both professionally and socially, going out constantly... I felt like I had nobody. I felt like even even having, you know, my ex, even with her there, I still felt like I had nobody. Um, because 
that's where I'd put myself. I'd put myself in such a position and I'd let my mental health deteriorate so much to the point where like, you could, oh, dude, you have so many friends. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had anybody, you know? So to see that, man, it, it definitely was like this like shining light of like, wow, cool. For sure. I, I think, uh, I, I understand you, you kind of mentioned it about like, a. uh, a post to get likes and, and I sure social media is crammed with things like oh, that. Yeah, clickbait. But there I think in, in things like that, every once in a while you are going to see something that's, that's genuine and yeah. you're going to see genuine. No responses. dude, I fucking meant that shit dude. And that is in the, that, that I don't think, I think that's the way that it was perceived. Right. And it, you know, I even think about, you know, you did that less than what, 12 hours from walking out yeah. of the wine bar. Yeah. I mean, can you only imagine like what some of those wine bar people, some of them oh. you said that you didn't hear from a lot of them, like they didn't text you, you thought you would. Oh. Some of them were just like, I don't know what's happening. Right. I don't. Well, right. And, and and I didn't want, and I think maybe, you know, I honestly didn't know this now or then, but thinking about it, I probably thought I didn't want anybody to find out about the second hand or to wonder, yeah. you know, where's Tony at? Oh my God, Tony walked out of wine bar. Cause you know, the fucking rumor mill, especially in the restaurant bar industry sure, sure, is sure. fucking the worst. And sometimes it's fucking hysterical. Cause you hear all these crazy stories and I dude, honestly, and I, I touched about it briefly, you know, on the guiltless podcast, I mean, to this day, people still have, like, different stories of what really transpired that day. You know, that I stole a bunch of money out of the safe. Not true. That I almost got in, like, a fight with, like, a physical altercation with somebody. Not true. You know, that I came back into wine bar afterwards and drank more. Not true. Uh you know, but you know, it's it's one person tells one person thing, they mistrans un- understand it or add their own little spin to it. You know, for yeah. whatever reason. Um, so yeah, maybe part of me wanted to do that. I think I just, I think for me, that post was also just like a the first step in really, uh, or the second big step in acknowledging w- the truth of it. And I felt like, hey, if I post this, sure, I could wake up and delete it, but I'm putting it out there. It's time. It's time to really acknowledge it. It's time to really say, this is who I am now. This is what I've become, and I'm going to try to fix it. And, dude, I'll tell you what. (laughs) I certainly didn't think that I would be sitting here talking about it and still be sober when I posted that. Well, you... You mentioned like a couple of minutes ago about you know wanting to thank everyone that posted, and and as corny as it may sound, you're thanking everybody with every single day that you kind of commit to it. Yeah, every day that you're you know going into work, every day that you're talking about stuff like this to yeah. help someone else. Yeah, that's a thank you to everybody, and you don't have to verbalize it. You don't have to. I mean, everyone that oh. sees you that has known you for through all that and still knows you now every day that you see them is a you're thanking them well that's whether, a great way to look at it man. whether yeah. you're saying it or not everyone i mean i know that they're all happy that you're still here i know they're happy that you fix things and i i'm i'm guaranteeing that they're happy that you're still thinking of ways to better you and anyone else well, that man help. you know joe honestly like had i I mean, I will forever until my end of days always be a work in progress and always be trying to become the better, the best version of myself. I certainly never in a million years said any of those wor- words while I was drinking. Oh, yeah. I was never trying to better myself. I was never trying to work on who I was. I was never trying to become a better person. I was just happy being a fucking drunk and living that life. So, yeah, man, I hope. I hope that, you know... When people see me now, or I my name comes up, or 
you know, people hear about me, I hope that people go, wow, man, what a cool fucking guy. Wow, what a cool story. Wow, man, Tony's really out there doing it. I mean, it's 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 always so heartwarming to hear that stuff because I am thankful. Thankfully, I do hear that stuff occasionally. I mean, from you and from other people in my life, you know, the guys at the brewery, Penny, some of my close friends that, you know, are always gassing me up and like in my corner, you know, my friend Heidi, a lot of these awesome people in my life um, that are constantly being support structure, even though I hear it and I acknowledge it from them, it's still kind of difficult sometimes to hear, you know what I mean? And like, I don't, I look at myself and I'm like, I'm just some guy, you know? And I, I want to, I want to just, I want to try to do as much with this gift that I've been given, you know, which is why I try to like, I try to be as outspoken about my sobriety and I try to give advice when I can and try to like put myself out there and make myself, I mean, people have access to me so that I can, have you know i want somebody to be able to reach out to me and be like dude i'm fucking i'm fucking up tony help me you know i don't know if i can but i'm certainly gonna try yeah you know i mean that's all you can do yeah i'm gonna keep doing it dude i mean it's all you can do and it's an amazing thing that you can do well i'm gonna keep doing it brother as always man god and this was yeah, I honestly, you know i I know some of these are rough man and and i i I didn't really i honestly didn't think this one was gonna get go down that path like i knew this one was gonna be when you asked me to talk about this particular thing i didn't think this one was gonna get me as much as emotional as it did i mean i guess i should have because of the weight of it but like i didn't expect to get be crying and shit i mean i'm happy to i don't care i mean i i knew you were once because and and i'm, I'm not even i don't know if you remember this um on the guiltless one, you cried or started to cry two times. Each time was when you were talking about Oscar. Fucking hey, dude. And as soon as you started, I'm like, yeah, there it is, dude. Something I mean, about dogs, listen, man. That dog, that dog of mine. Something about dogs, man. Yeah, he, that dude, I mean, if, if fuck, man, I'm probably going to start crying again. Like, <laughs> if, if there was a way for me to ever really thank anything in this world, I mean, Oscar loves me. And I love him probably more, no offense to anybody, but probably more than anything in this world. Um, If there was ever a way for me to really thank that dog, (laughs) I mean, I, I, I thoroughly believe that I would not be here had I not had him. Like, he helped me so much through those early stages. Because this goes, I mean, uh, there's so much more after that. Because I was in the hospital for a week. You know, there was a whole, I mean, not a whole, five days, four and a half days. Um, And then three and a half months of sitting at home. Yeah. Without him, man. (laughs) It's crazy what those guys can do, Dude, man. man. It's crazy what they can do. For you dog lovers out there. For you people out there that don't love dogs, you're fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. What's the matter with you? You, you need to get like yourself a, yeah. a a permanent a permanent person in your corner, which is your dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, man. I mean, uh, like I mentioned, some of these are, are are ultimately all of these are are, are great to hear. Yeah. Um, some of them are obviously harder to hear. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they're. I mean, as hard as it is for me sometimes to hear. I can't even imagine what it's like to tell, and I will never fathom what it's like to go through it. But to be able to, again, talk about some of these yeah. things, I think ultimately is such an amazing win for everybody. Yeah, I Obviously hope, you and everyone that wants to, uh, obviously wanted you to stay around, and now you are. Right. I mean, I feel great. I yeah. feel great right now. I mean, after sitting here, you know, 
telling it. And it's like, you know, the one thing, and it's something that ha- happened during the guiltless one was it makes me like remember things. Like, mm-hmm. like I didn't talk about this, and I, I know we're, we're going to be wrapping up here in a minute, but um, I, 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 do, I do remember this. Was, I don't know if it was that first day or maybe a day or two after I was in the hospital. I remember waking up in the morning and my dad was standing right there. And I remember him looking and being like, hey, Tone, you're going to be all right. You know, son, yes. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you know, my old man, he, he's one of my best friends in the whole world. I'm, I admire the fuck out of my dad. Um, you know, and just, I remember <laughs> I remember feeling like, you know, he was going to be, like, disappointed in me, you know, or, like, you know, upset at me or something. And I remember, yeah, I remember that, him standing there next to my bed. He was It was when he was, before he retired, he worked downtown for uh, at the Justice Center for 40 years, 30 years. Um, but I remember he had stopped on his way into work because he lives in Ohio City where we grew up. He walked up there before work, and I, I remember him saying, I'm proud of you, son. You know, because he knew. He saw me, yeah. You know, coming to holidays, coming to fucking Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, whatever it was, fucking pounding shots. And my dad was a drinker; he still drinks, you know. But he's not an idiot, you know. He knew, you know. And me losing these jobs, you know. My dad's not. My dad's a smart fucking guy. Like he, you know, he knew what what his son was becoming and what he had become, you know. So for to have him standing there like telling me that, you know, that was another big one. You know, I knew I had been. I knew I had done something right, and I was taking the right steps when my old man was standing there telling me he was proud of me. Yeah, you know, like that I, never really stops. Uh, you know the uh, uh, the impact that you know your parents and just I, yeah. I mean, ten years old after a softball game, or you know, yeah, closing in on forty. You know, just kind of turning your life around it and making the right choices. Right. Man, those uh, those I'm proud of you moments. Yeah, always hit the same. Well, and for him to be standing there telling me he's proud of me when I was probably at my lowest exactly, yeah. was so huge, you know. And then shit, I wish my mom could see me. My mom's got dementia, you know, doesn't yeah. remember me anymore. You know, I wish my mom. She was sober forever, so I know she's proud of me out there in her own way. But uh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Again, man. I mean, I really, I look forward to these a lot. Me too, I really man. love hearing them. Um, and. I, I love that you're here to tell them. It's, well, it's dude, really, thank it's you really for giving awesome. me the platform, dude. I always, mean, I'm gonna, always. I'm going to keep keep telling them as long as you keep having me up here, and yeah, we'll do them. Hey, closing time, guys. Thanks for every, yeah, anyone thanks, guys. listening. Really, really appreciate it. Guys and girls and everyone. Yeah. Everybody. Thanks, everyone. Sorry, I'm 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 s